Welcome to the OIS Podcast, where you get candid conversations with the leaders and drivers of ophthalmic innovation. And now, here's our host, Tom Salemi. Hey, everyone. This is Tom Salami. Welcome back to the OIS Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Our guest today is Cal Roberts, the Chief Medical Officer of Bausch & Lomb. We've talked to Cal before on the podcast, but uh, I had the chance to sit down with him to ask him a little more about the uh, the decision he made to leave a, uh, a practice and join a corporation full-time. We're seeing sort of a rise of the CMO in ophthalmology. It's, a, it's an issue we'll be tackling at uh, the upcoming OIS at AO, which is happening on November 9th in New Orleans. So I wanted to talk directly to Cal about that, about what his uh, concerns are, were when he made the jump, and what has the process been like? What have, uh, what have the challenges been that he's uh, had, to, had to clear, the hurdles he's had to clear? So always enjoy talking to Cal. We'll, of course, talk a bit about uh, how he came into ophthalmology, and how things are going at, at Bausch & Lomb. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Cal Roberts of Bausch & Lomb. Hi, this is Tom Salemi. We're here at OIS at ASRS. I'm here with Cal Roberts, the Chief Medical Officer of Bausch & Lomb. Cal, thank yeah, you for joining yeah, us. Oh, my, my pleasure. It's, uh, we talked uh, probably about a year and a half ago about your uh, your becoming CMO at Bausch & Lomb and how that happened. I want to get into that, but first I'm kind of curious about you. How did you find your way into ophthalmology? Well, I actually got into ophthalmology for my desire to have contact lenses <laughs> because I wore glasses as a child and I wanted to wear contact lenses. And my mother is a librarian. And so her first reaction to anything new idea was, well, let's get a book about this. Okay. <laughs> and so I started to read about eyes. And from that, I got a job in college working in a lab Interesting. In, in ophthalmology. And one thing led to, led to another. So did you end up getting contact lenses? I do. I wear them now. I wear <laughs> Bausch & Lomb contact course. lenses, of course. We have these wonderful contact lenses for presbyopia. Mm -hmm. And though still I'm, of course, quite the young man, I can see distance. I can see near really very clearly. I have to, I'll have to check those out. I, yeah. I need the help, and I think I mentioned that on camera a lot. So how did you, what did you enjoy most about being an ophthalmologist? Oh, well, the gift of sight is um, so valuable. And it's really interesting. You know, we all know the data that, that people would rather lose a limb than lose their vision. People are more scared of going blind than they are of actually dying. And so the joy of being an ophthalmologist is really that opportunity that you can really do something to help someone's life, mm -hmm. lifestyle, just by being able to help them with their eyes. And how long did you practice for? I practiced for 26 years. And how did you find your way into working more closely with industry? I know Alamera was one of your first sort of business ventures that you became involved with. How did you migrate into that role? Well, I, I was an academic, and I was working in the lab, and I had a basic science laboratory that was looking at corneal endothelial physiology. Mm -hmm. And then IOLab Corporation, which was the ophthalmic uh, division of J&J, &J, back in the 80s, came to me to ask me to work on a project to look at one of their products and look at its effect on the corneal endothelium. So that's how I got started with industry. And from there, I then uh, evolved into the clinical development and then as a speaker and a KOL. Mm -hmm. And so my career was going that way while my academic career at Cornell was, was progressing. Uh, and then 
um, the Alamera opportunity came when Dan Myers and his team was was putting together the the first idea for the for the team, and they asked me to be on the board of directors. And so uh, I was on the original board of Alamera, which I which I still serve on, and um, that that was a great experience for me. And then, you know, as you know, in 2011, Brent Saunders called me and invited me to come to Bachelot. Mm -hmm. And I, I want to get into that in a minute, but I'm curious, in, in the 80s when you first started working with J&J, &J, what was the feeling of industry, uh, working with industry, within the ophthalmology field? You hear stories, and it was more, I think, in the 70s, but into the 80s as well, where clinicians were looked, looked at sideways if they worked too closely with industry. I don't get that sense that that's been an issue in ophthalmology, or was it an issue at one time and it just is no longer? Well, I, I think that, that if I look back to what's happening in the 80s and 90s, I think there was a perception that industry did this and doctors did this. Mm -hmm. And there was very little crossing over between the two. And I think what we've learned since then is that when doctors come over to industry, wow, what a help they can be for industry. But similarly, if doctors allow industry to come over to their side, mm -hmm. how much industry can actually help doctor in terms of the way they practice, in terms of staying up on innovation, education. There are a lot of ways that industry actually helps the practicing doctor mm -hmm. to, to become a better doctor. And, and you mentioned areas where that's introduced some efficiencies. At, at Bausch I think you had mentioned on a panel a year or two ago that it used to be just to drive you nuts that you would have three or four sales reps from the same company right. come with one item mm -hmm. and knock on your door and knock right. on your door and knock right. on your door. Right. I think that's something that you're right, that industry, in retrospect, probably is painfully obvious, but it's one of those connections, I think, that where you're able to help smooth out the process. Right, because because the this back to this idea that when I was in practice, for one company had six different representatives who came to see me. Mm -hmm. And while I was trying to be polite and try to give them time, I always said to myself, gee, rather than have six people come see me every once every three months, why don't you have one person come, really know what my needs are, and then have that person come every two weeks, and then in the end, that would be more efficient. Well, it made a lot of sense to me as a doctor. It actually makes no sense to industry. Mm -hmm. The industry really needs these silos and needs the representatives to be focusing on one or one or two two products in order to be most uh, effective. Mm -hmm. So um, so those are the, the the little bumps that still need a lot of work. <laughs> and I'm sure you're working on it. Yeah. You referenced the call from Brett Saunders. Uh, he called you in 2011. You said to be chief medical officer at, at Bausch Lomb, just go back to that phone call. Was that something that you immediately jumped on and said yes? Did it require some thought, some consideration? And if so, what were, what were, what were you weighing? Well, I, I think what I was weighing at that time was as as a practicing doctor, do I want to give up the care of patients in order to do this? Plus, if it didn't work out, oh my gosh, then what's going to happen to me next? Uh, type so, of thing. Oh, it's a good question. Right, and so and so that there is a lot of risk, and some of my colleagues who have who've come over and now be chief medical officers on the other companies uh, are still keeping one toe mm -hmm. in and still practicing on a limited basis. So in case this doesn't work out, they can they can go back. But um, but what I did was to jump in really with both feet and really devote myself to this job. Hmm. Uh, 
And it, it was a it was a great uh, great call from Brent, and I've been really happy. That's great. So, did you sell your practice, or, or I did I sold my practice? You yeah. just went out cold turkey. I just went and sold the practice. That's that's outstanding because I mean, you're right; these things don't always work out, they don't. especially you being one of the first. But it has worked out. Let's talk about why. Right. Uh, what is your skill set as a physician? How has your skill set as a physician helped you at Bauchalong? Yeah. So, what what I try to do is use the filter of a practicing doctor to the decisions that we make as a company and say that and say that say to myself okay does this make sense to a doctor does this make sense in the product development phase in the r&d phase when we get into commercial does, does this launch make sense is the way that we're going to package this and sell this make sense and are, is the way that we're going to educate um, make sense and and so that if it makes sense to me mm-hmm. With my experience as a practicing doctor, then I really hope that it'll make sense to the other doctors who are, who are out there. And so that's kind of, that's the, the role that, that I do. Now, the other part of, of what I do is, is actually just try to be the glue and try to marry what we're trying to do as a company with doctors and, and try to use the relationships that I have for, over these years to try to find the right doctors who can help us as a company to cross over mm-hmm. that barrier to come and help us. But we're going to go in this direction. Who can? Who over here could really help us? Type of thing. And 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 that's another part. And then you know. And then the third part is is talking to other companies and trying to understand what they're doing. So much as what we're doing here at OIS, and where companies have this opportunity uh, to present to the community, well, I love OIS because here I have this opportunity to hear and then try to think about what they're doing and what we're doing at Bausch & Lam and see, my gosh, is this a company that we should be partnering with in a way that would be advantageous to both companies? Interesting. So... If you were to meet someone at a cocktail party and they ask you, what does a CMO do? What would you tell them? What is your, your, do- your job description in 30 seconds or less? Okay, so in 30 seconds, I tell people that, that my time at Bausch & Lam is divided into exactly three uh, areas. So number one is being with doctors. Mm-hmm. And with being with doctors, which is talking about our products, listening, getting feedback, getting ideas from doctors to bring that back into the company. Second is what I do within the company, and that is the the committees that I'm on and the organizations that I that I'm part of and the opportunities that I have to to grow our company internally. And then third is what I do externally with other companies mm-hmm. and working with other companies, partnering w- with other companies, so that we can grow Bausch and Lum in partnership with other companies. Mm-hmm. So those those are exactly the three. Things I do. That's about thirty seconds. Uh, so, but it's a different type of job. You're you're a physician. I'm, I'm a writer. Different, entirely different occupations. But in some way, we were kind of alone. We kind of are self-contained unit. How hard? How hard was it to transition to a corporate culture where you're in the meetings, you're on the chain emails, you're mm-hmm. you know you're you're part of teams, this sure. and that. Sure. Well, it's it's difficult. Mm-hmm. Okay, and it's sometimes more difficult than someone when they come in realizes because when you're a doctor out in practice you are making decisions unilaterally all the you time have control yeah all the time mm-hmm. this patient should do this this one needs surgery this one needs medicine you need to come back in two weeks you need to come back in a month and you're giving 
you're making decisions for people mm-hmm. and for your office all the time, unilaterally. When you're in industry, it's rare <laughs> that you get to make a unilateral decision. Mm-hmm. Um, what you need to do is to work with a group, build consensus, and so it's there's a little bit more of a politician who has to learn how to get people to work together than it is when you're just practicing on on your own. And so I think that's the skill that if I was to speak to someone who is interested in coming into industry, that's what I ask them the most about. Are you willing to really give up that unilateral decision-making process that you do now for a group decision um, type of way of being s- successful, okay? And that's that's what I that's what I that's um, to me the biggest difference from being a practice to mm-hmm. being in, in, in industry. Have you had you mentioned others were were moving into the similar roles with different companies? Have you had people call you and say, "Hey, Cal, tell me about this." Is oh, absolutely, this- absolutely. And, and I've spoken to most of the people who are now <laughs> chief medical officer at the other company because they want to know. Yeah. So, what's it like? Yeah. Uh, what can I uh, expect? Sort of thing. And um, I think we have a really nice, good working relationship among the CMOs of the major companies. We, we get together. We got together at, at ASCRS and just kind of talk about the things we have in common. And so, uh, yes, it, it's, it's a good group. Great. And finally, I don't want to let you go without telling us a bit about Bausch & Lomb. What do you have folks have going on that you're excited about? Well, uh, of all the years that I've been at Bausch & Lomb, it's now seven years, 2017 is for sure the most exciting, that we've already had five approvals from the FDA um, and, and our surgical business. The most exciting for me is our new vitrectomy system that we call Vitesse. And so vitrectomy really hasn't changed in the 40 years since Robert McCormer developed it in, in the 70s. Essentially, what McCormer developed was a system that pulled vitreous into a needle and then cut it. And so you had this pulling, this pulling into, into the needle. And we all know that when you pull, you pull whatever comes, comes, with, the, comes with the vitreous. And so what we wanted to do at Bausch & Lomb was change that paradigm to instead of pull, then cut, to cut first hmm. and then only aspirate that which had been cut. And so our new Vitesse system is unique in that instead of having this mechanical guillotine cutter, what it has is a disruptive hypersonic technology that occurs right at the surface of the needle, not in, not within. And what that allows you to do is to disrupt the, the vitreous and then only aspirate that's already been cut. And so that we believe what that's going to do is decrease the amount of traction that, that, that occurs, and we think it's going to be a better process. So when you hear that process, that, that product as a CMO and as a former physician, is that the time where those physician training kicks in and you go, by God, that's going to work. That makes so much sense. Very, absolutely. And, I, and I've been an advocate for this technology since we started to, to develop it because I could see immediately how much this had, much potential mm-hmm. this had to really improve the process of, of the vitrectomy. So um, that's why I'm really very proud of, of this product. Excellent. Well, I'm very grateful for you to take a few minutes with us today. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. 
And that is a wrap. Cal Roberts of Bosch and Lump, thanks for joining me on the OIS podcast. Always a treat to talk to you, and thanks for sharing your story. Once again, we'll be uh, talking to other CMOs at the upcoming OIS at AAO. So don't forget to sign up and, and join us. Go to OIS.net to register. It's happening again on November 9th in New Orleans. Until then, do me a favor. Give us a ranking on iTunes for the podcast. It would be an enormous help. Shoot me an email if you have any feedback or thoughts about the podcast. My email is tom at healthogy.com. It's the word health, followed by the letters E-G-Y.com. Healthogy is the fine company that produces the OIS events and the OIS podcast. And, of course, if you uh, tell your friends about the OIS podcast, we'd really appreciate that. And uh, feel free to uh, reach out to me on Twitter. I'm at MedTechTom, tweeting all day long about ophthalmology, MedTech, and many other things, including the Red Sox. That's a wrap. Tune in next week for another tale of innovation and go to OIS.net so you can join us in New Orleans.